courage to follow your heart and intuition. They somehow already know what you truly want to become. <laughs> I can't even make this up. He starts walking, I draw back, and he's down. He's right there. Today's episode is brought to you by Tricer USA. They make gear that's fast, light, and simple. And holy crap, guys. I got to tell you, I've been talking about this pan head that's coming out, and I got my hands on it. And like like in my head, I knew that it was 4.5 ounces, ounces. Like I'd read the specs, but I don't think I really put together how light 4.5 ounces is. This thing is ridiculous. It's amazing. It works so well. It's so light. It's so simple. Like I, the fast, light, simple thing. It's like, it makes me giggle. Uh, yeah, it's amazing. There's no reason to not have a tripod with you when your setup is this light. Uh, it is amazing. Uh, go get yours. If you want to pre-order yours, it's a $20 deposit to get your hands on this thing. It's it's ridiculous. I've loved it. This is the new standard on which everything will be judged from here on out. So go get yours today. Pre-order for just 20 bucks at TricerUSA.com. Their new pan head. Uh, it is amazing. Use the code TRO, save yourself 15%. Alrighty, Justin, welcome to the podcast, man. How you been? I've been good, man. I appreciate you having me on. Amongst some of the greats that I've been listening to this show, there's uh, there's quite the lineup you have on your show. So I I, uh, I feel humbled to be a part of it, man. So thanks a lot. Oh, it was funny because uh, we were messaging and you're like, oh, I don't know, like, I feel like it's such a big show. And I was like, man... I'll talk to anyone, uh, nothing against like anyone or anyone, but I feel like my favorite podcasts are probably like the less famous people, right? Sure. Like, you know, I feel like I get famous people on and they kind of all say the same thing. Or, like they've been on podcasts before. It's so, like, I don't know. To me, it's like the, the regular dudes. I hope that you're not offended by that, but like the regular dudes, those are my favorite podcasts. So. Heck yeah, man. Heck yeah. Well, I'm glad to be part uh, of it. So Elk Hunter, Hunter in the military we're going to talk a little bit about i don't want to say time management but like taking advantage of the opportunities um building this life even if you're in the military um i'm big on that like how do you design your life to be able to go hunting do all these things and like you had mentioned a lot of people in the military i don't have time you know it's not an opportunity or whatever and you're like hey i'm in the military i'm super busy but i still get after it so I was going to have you on, kind of talk about some of those opportunities, but I guess back up a little bit, 30,000 foot view, like what's your background? Yeah, so I grew up in Wisconsin, um, right on the, in the Mississippi River Valley, La Crosse area, it's like West Central, so um, actually people think it's all flat in the Midwest, but where I'm from specifically is the bluff country, so it's actually comparable to like hunt Roosevelt's on the coast. It's like kind of similar. I mean, it's not Jurassic really? Park. It's not Jurassic Park because it's it's uh, you know hardwoods and stuff. You know, right. but oaks and all that stuff. But I mean, as far as the hills and elevation, it's very similar to hunting the coast range, which is pretty cool. But um, my grandparents owned. Uh, they still do. They um, they've they've passed, but they they have a large. Our family farm is a really big farm in southeastern Minnesota. So I grew up. Uh, kind of cut my teeth on whitetails, obviously, like most guys in the Midwest, um, shotgun only area. So had to learn how to, you know, be close and, and, and figure out how to, how to read sign and kill deer close with a slug, you know, cause when I was a kid and I mean, they didn't make slugs, I could shoot 200 yards yet, you know, so <laughs> really? it was, um, tra- uh, transformed into, uh, the archery world and just really went down that rabbit hole and, and just enjoy, enjoyed bow hunting, uh, 
bow hunting whitetails on top of that, a huge waterfowl hunter, like big time waterfowl hunter too. Um, when I was 17 years old, I joined the army. Um, mom and dad had to sign for me to come in the army. Um, super emotional event, I can imagine, because it was during the surge, like the height of the war in Iraq and Afghanistan. So um, I joined as an airborne infantryman and I uh, went right to the 82nd Airborne Division. And like six months after I joined the army, I was in Southern Baghdad and uh, did a 15 month tour there in the infantry. And I've been in 17 years now. Um, since then, I left the infantry. Uh, went, uh, went to special forces side of the house and, uh, been stationed out here in Washington now for almost a decade, um, which has been pretty awesome. Met my wife, Madison, and, uh, just had our first son Brooks and back in August, right before, uh, right before the rut kicked off. So, um, uh, congrats, man. That's freaking yeah, awesome. Um, yeah. and kind of like we said, it's funny cause, uh, I worked with a lot of military guys in a previous life. I spent a lot of time around military bases. And I was always blown away by the dudes that didn't hunt. Like we would go up to Alaska, uh, Wainwright or Richardson and like all these dudes that we were with and nobody hunted. Like I met one person in six years that even hunted and was like taking advantage of the Alaska thing. And it was like, that blows my mind. I'm like, you guys can hunt anything. And none of them did. And it was like, I was like, why is that? You know, and a lot of these guys, you know, like yourself grew up hunting uh, or whatever, and they get in the military and it's like, they just leave it behind. Do you see that a lot? Or like, oh, what's, what's your take from the inside? Yeah. yeah, often. I mean, and I was, and I, and to be quite honest with you, I was one of them initially because, you know, I went from small town, Wisconsin to, you know, where, you know, the town I was from was like 4,000 people. I mean, it had, there was a bigger populace closer by, but anyways, and then I went down to Fayetteville, North Carolina, um, which people dub Vietnam, but it's like 250,000 people on top of Fort Bragg and all that stuff. And I was just like, kind of shocked by the culture that was down there and whatnot. And then our deployment op tempo, I did a 15 month tour was back for a year, did a 12 month tour was back for a year, did a seven month tour. In the first couple of years in the army, it was like, you know, deploy, come back, train to deploy again. And then quite honestly, just like party in the barracks and just, you know, drink on the weekends and just that was you know and I was homesick I didn't really I didn't really have it that was the culture and then finally it was actually about year three in the army I was like man I I'm I'm sick of this like I want to go home um I don't want to do this anymore like I just had this thing but then I knew what I wanted to do ever since I was a little kid was to go the route that I wanted that I ended up in I also wanted to be an airborne ranger was this thing that I really wanted to be you know from playing GI Joes and we were all kids you know and I was like well I have to try. Um, so I became an NCO. My life changed because I enjoy being a leader. It's really fun for me. And then I ended up going to ranger school doing that. My life changed in the infantry once I became ranger qualified, but um, to, to not to go down that rabbit hole, but like I decided, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to stick this out. I'm going to stay in the army and uh, for at least a little while longer, but I can't do what I've been doing the last couple of years. I have to bring home to me instead of being homesick. Right. And that was pretty much when I started hunting North Carolina, um, Fort Bragg is, I can't quote me on it, but it was like 40,000 acre uh, military installation. It was a gigantic military installation. And quite honestly, like the body size of deers are really tiny, deer are tiny down there, but, um, the racks are pretty good if they're managed properly. Um, right. I mean, heck you can probably see this little one behind me. I mean, it's actually, that's like a eight year old 
just swamp donkey that like pretty much touched itself and I killed that one with my bow and anyways like started turkey hunting down there and we'll get to that point because that turkey hunting the big timber down there actually really helped me navigate how to hunt elk out here how interesting um, yeah so we'll go, we, we, can, we can get into that but like honestly it was like I need to bring home to me so I'm not so homesick and to your point uh is I I would talk to people all the time and it was like hey man do you hunt yeah I used to I just don't have time for it anymore. Yeah, man. I used to, you know, I grew up in Ohio. I deer hunted all the time or I grew up here, here. Like we used to do it all the time, but I just, I don't have time for it anymore. And I'm like, what do you, what do you mean you don't have time? Like you don't have time because we're just in the culture of the infantry in the barracks on the weekends and in partying and doing that stuff there. The time is there. We get at least every, every government holiday is a four day, you know, a four day weekend for government holiday. I mean, when you're in the regular army, like your leave is a little bit more, um, regulated as far as like when you can take your it's like christmas time and summertime but like at least four day weekends there's weekends i mean if you ain't training you still have you st it's still a normal job and right. it's like you guys can go out and do this on the weekends and so i started doing that on my own figuring it out and you know it turned into it just opened up this you know this whole different realm i met people a lot of which are vets, but I met, I had a lot of friends in Southeast North Carolina that were all big hunters. I even like started getting somewhat of a like Wisconsin, North Carolina accent. I don't even, don't even ask me how that came about. <laughs> um, but you know, man, I was actually, I was actually super nervous to PCS out here because it was all I knew. And I had so many friends and I loved hunting down there. I loved the guys that I was around. Um, but when I came out here, then it really opened Pandora's box up out here, man. Cause like being in the West, like I'll never want to go to the Southeast again. That's for sure. And I don't, I don't envision myself going back to the Midwest to actually live. I'll live in the West my, the rest of my life because I just absolutely love it out here. Not yeah. Western Washington. You can definitely throw that in the trash. Um, but <laughs> outside of that, man, I, I, I love being in the West and, and it's awesome. But um, I mean, like, so I've, I worked with a nonprofit um, too for, I mean, I still do stuff with, with a nonprofit called Fallen Outdoors and uh, I found it when it very first started. Um, and so I, I helped the founder who's one of my best friends, Eric Bakken, we, we brought it to where it is now. And it's, you know, got hundreds of thousands of veteran followers and we're in pretty much every state in the lower 48 and Alaska. And so for the last like decade, I've had the opportunity to like really be involved in the veteran and active duty side of the outdoors and get to see and hear everything that we're kind of talking about where it's like, I once did it, but I don't do it anymore. Well, come on, let's, let's go, let's go do this. And we, in our mission statement really is for exactly that. And it's like, how could we take guys who are displaced from their home to new parts of the country and bring that sportsman lifestyle back to them and just rekindle that fire and it's been a it's been a fun ride and it's been an, it's been awesome to be a part of it and be able to help people navigate the time management like you're saying cody like it really is and then you start throwing in like now i want to be the best dad i can be too and it's super hard to like figure out that work life being a dude. good dad balance and being and wanting to hunt a lot still you know but dude um, yeah i mean there's like four rabbit holes we could have down there. Um, I'm going to go back to the first one. I want to circle back to the kids thing because that, that one strikes home a lot. Um, and even the falling outdoors thing. And I think these will tie together. I think, you know, going back to like, why do people not 
pursue the opportunities. And I think a lot of it is the hurdle of the, un, it's kind of the unknown of like not mm-hmm. knowing how to do it in a new area. Um, and it's, you know, it's like, there's the temporary factor, you know, a lot of guys are like, man, I'm only here for four years. Like, I don't know, like, why would I try to figure this all out? It's the culture aspect. It's a lot of it, but you could kind of sum all those up into like, it's totally different than what I know. And it seems like too big of a hurdle to learn it. Sure. And I found the same thing in the nonprofit world. It's like, um, so I worked with a nonprofit for years that um, helped kids get involved in the outdoors. And you can teach a kid, you can take a kid and take them hunting and they're stoked about it or whatever. But if you don't teach the parent how to go find their own version of this, they'll almost never go do it. Right. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, if I said, Hey, let's go on a hunt. And you came on this hunt with me on some private ranch. It doesn't really like show you how, how to break that cycle of like, Oh, where do I go on public? Where do I go do this thing? And you see this a lot is like, if I don't know how to go do it on my own, it's easy to go do with someone else, but I haven't crossed that hurdle. And I think, I know, you know, looking back on a lot of the times I talked to people that were in the military and this kind of came up, it was like, oh man, why don't you take advantage of it? It's like, I don't know. Like, I don't know where to go. Like, I don't know. You know, it's, it's like this whole new learning curve. Cause if you're from Wisconsin and you go to North Carolina, whether you're a Bragg or Campbell June or whatever, it's like this whole different thing. You don't know where to go, mm-hmm. how to hunt this. Like, yeah, they're both whitetails, but it's very different. Um, you know, like all these aspects, unless you have someone else that's like, hey, come with me, right? And hunting's right. one of those weird things where it's like, you take a buddy and like all of a sudden you can't go back there. And so like, there's this whole like curve, this learning curve or this like hurdle to get over. And I see that both in, you know, the nonprofits where it's like, you're trying to get either kids or uh, veterans or whatever into hunting, but also just in like active duty, active duty military guys that are like, ah, I don't know, don't know how to do it, <laughs> which is like this seemingly small hurdle. But if you don't get them over that, it's like they don't go want to do their own thing. Well, it really is. I mean, I talk to guys all the time. They're like, man, I've heard the book is, you know, the size of an encyclopedia to be able to navigate in Washington. And it's like, it's really not that hard, man. It's not like right. take a little bit or just ask. And that was like, like, I don't want to go down the, non- the nonprofit uh, rabbit hole, but like that, that's like one of the main things for us. It's like, here, we're here to help you navigate this and figure this out. And now you can be a force multiplier and go help other people. Right. But the crazy right. thing is nowadays too, and I mean, for me, like when it comes to elk hunting, I've had, I've had two, uh, two mentors that have, that have helped me um, quite a bit the last couple of years, but like, I was all self-taught and it's, you know, it, it's 2023 now, like it, the, the amount of like, right. Like, dude, I mean, you can get on Onyx or base maps, click on an area that you think might be good to hunt, and it's going to give you like the regulations to that spot, you know, to that area as well. So you can click on it or YouTube University is remarkable. Podcasts like yours and all these other other podcasts that are out there, the stuff is there like, and again, it comes down to like, I think it's people's comfort level. It's like, and they just don't necessarily want there are some guys out there, man, like they're dry, like a lot, a lot of people in, in the military, their drive is unmatched. You know what I mean? But they have to break the, you have to break the ice. And once, right. and I've seen it over the years where we've taken guys out, especially in like the waterfowl realm. And it's like, take some dudes out, get them on a good banger, freaking duck hunt. And all of a sudden they're like, holy shit. I had no idea Washington had this many mallards or meant this many ducks in it. Yeah. And the next thing you know, like, you see these guys out on the Nisqually Wildlife Refuge, like taking other dudes out, you know, and they figured it out. And it's like, it's like, hell yeah, man, this is what we're doing this for. You know, I, 
I've refrained when people hit me up out here in Washington, they're like, Hey man, I want to get into deer hunt. And I'm like, Hey, okay, <laughs> let's take a step back for a second because I don't want you to get discouraged your first year hunting. And if you try to hunt blacktails, you might not ever want to do it again, you know? So let's, right. let's like get your toes wet a little bit and, you know, let me take you duck hunting and try that. And then while we're duck hunting, we can talk deer, you know, we can talk elk out there and stuff. But um, again, it comes down to like, like when I was in North Carolina, it was like, I just, one day I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna go down to the, uh, I don't know, sportsman's shack or whatever they had there, had to sit through a class, got this map and looked at this map. And I just like, looked at it and I'm like, okay, well, this is all woods. There's no crops here. Like there is back home. So I can't pattern them. You know, I can't pattern them to food. Right. Like it was like this huge thing, but I had to figure it out, you know? And, um, and I see repeat offenders too, like on our trips that we release, because there's a lot of guys that will be like, oh, I haven't hunted a lot. They go on a hunt for free and then they never do it again until they get selected again for another hunt, you know? But for the most part, I would say, you know, 90% of the guys like go on a hunt or, or if somebody takes them out and then they're like, okay, this isn't that hard, you know, but. Right. Well, this is kind of like you, you had said, you know, you figured out this like aha moment of, I have to bring my home to me, which is like, I have to create this life within the life that I have right now. I think that is very key. I think this is good for active military. It's good for anyone in the world. It's like, you know, there's a saying of like, do what you can with what you have. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that is like, okay, where are we at right now? Yeah. Um, maybe my job doesn't allow a bunch of time off. I can't just go for, you know, 30 days and go elk hunting or whatever, but like what, do what you can with what you have, because, you know, step one leads to step two. Sure. And I get that everyone wants to be at like step 10 and they want to be here. But at the end of the day, like if you don't start taking steps in that direction, you'll just never get there. And right. that is, I think very true for active military stuff. It's like, okay, you don't have time to go, you know, elk hunting 30 days out of the year, but what can you do? How do you mm -hmm. like work towards that? Right. And I think there's actually a lot more possibilities, you know, like just talking to you is like how much you time, how much you were able to go hunt and go do these things. It's like, okay, there is possibilities to go have a pretty good lifestyle while also having this full-time career. Right. Yeah, totally. I mean, and that just kind of goes and we'll get into it. Like with, because I, I really do want to tell you my quest for killing my first bull because it took me five years, you know, and, right. and it was some hurdles, but kind of back to your point there with like bringing, bringing home to where you're at is like, just like you said, like, it doesn't have to be just military. I mean, think about like nowadays, I mean, especially out West here, like in the area that I'm in specifically, there's people from all over the country that moved out here for employment and you know it's the same exact thing it's like maybe they came from kansas or maybe they came heck maybe they came from montana where they elk hunted all the time and even though it's only a 10 11 hour drive back there but they don't have the time to be able to do that during elk season out here so you got to figure out how you can start doing it here when i first moved out here i did the normal like midwestern friendly guy thing when i moved out here and i went and knocked on some doors and I got permission to hunt, like, it's like this, this farmer had like 800 acres and I still have permission to hunt there. And I was like, okay, well, I don't know anything about blacktail. I don't know anything about elk, but I know how to sit in a tree stand and I know how to look for deer, deer trails, you know? So I went up there, I hung some tree stands, I put some cameras out. And the first time I checked my cameras, I'm like, 
holy shit, that's a super nice buck. And then I was like, whoa, there's a cow. There's a freaking cow elk. I'm like, so there's elk here and there's deer here. This is sweet. So I started for like the first two years, I just kind of sat in tree stands and did like stuff that I would do back home. And then we can get into it, but it was like, finally, I was like, okay, I want to actually try to kill an elk. Like it's, you know, I've watched all the videos that everybody watched forever. I want to actually try to do this. Watched some YouTube university, you know, f- figured out how to call and do a few things. And um, I don't know, God get, graced me with the ability to naturally pick up calls pretty easy for me. Really? Um, That's pretty rare. And I, and I turkey hunted forever too. So like having a read in my duck mouth. Hunting, was, dude. Duck hunting, know, like yeah. being able to duck call is another, like if, it, yeah. if the guy's a good duck caller, like, a, and you can turkey call like, yeah. So I, I picked up a read, learned how to cow mew, and then I learned how to bugle. And I was like, okay, well, how do I actually talk to these elk? And I remember the first time I went, I was like, okay, um, locator bugle, kind of a young, a young bull. Okay, I got down on this bottom yeah. where I had, a, I had a picture of this giant, this giant bull down on this nasty swamp bottom, and I went down in there and. Is this the 800 acres? Yeah, yeah. No way, dude. Yeah, dude. Yeah, just this nasty, <laughs> just like, sw- just swamp dinosaur that was down there man and i went in there and i cow mute a little bit didn't hear nothing and then i did this like real you know puny freaking bugle and all of a sudden i hear this like what sounds like a bulldozer coming up out of the swamp and i'm like holy shit it's happening and this (laughs) this 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 big ass spike comes rolling up out of this bottom dude he's he's like running and he runs by me like 30 yards just full trot just looking for where the sound came from but you couldn't shoot a spike in my unit i was in it had to be three pointer better or a cow and he goes up to the top well then i heard a bugle off in the distance just like kind of just a chuckle more than anything i'm like oh sweet so i ran up to the top and i heard that bull bugle again i didn't know where that spike went and I, and I started calling a little bit more and all of a sudden I hear again, this bulldozer coming up out of this like nasty reap rod. And I'm on the edge of this like ATV trail and I've got my bow in my hand and I'm ready to, ready to draw. Cause this thing was coming and it was so close that I was like, it's going to pop out right here. And it popped out and it was that spike again, but he popped out at five yards, like literally like five yards. <laughs> and he's just standing broadside looking at me. We're just locked eyes and we're like, holy shit. What's up, dude? And he's just looking at me. And at that point I was like, okay, this is, this is where it's at. I want to, I really want to really want to pursue it. But so I only had, bad. I only had like a, a weekend to like in, in the moment I had like a couple of days to try. And I went back there and tried again. The couple of days I had left, nothing happened. No big deal. Um, and then, so that was kind of like what I would consider. Well, no, so that was one that, that was my first experience of kind of just dabbling into it a little bit. That's a pretty good first experience. It was Especially sweet from Western Washington. Like, come on. That's like that doesn't happen. Well, it gets it gets it gets way it gets way better. Like um, okay. so the next year I'm like, all right, I want to try this again. But I was still like back to the point where we're getting at, Cody. Like, I was still super nervous to like broaden my horizons and go just drop into some public ground, you know, on the coast and just go after the unknown. I didn't know enough about right. it yet. I didn't know enough about it. I was like still kind of nervous about that. I didn't have any friends that did it yet. I was still new to the new to the it unit. It blows my mind. I mean, how many yeah. deployments, like all this, all this stuff. And you're like, you're ner- what, what? I don't understand that. Like how, 
Like, what do you mean? Help me wrap my head around. Like, how can you be nervous or like of the unknown? Yeah, right. I mean, like, yeah, I just I just to completely. I don't when it comes to like hunting, hunting big ground and stuff out out here, and just dropping in and going like more so the unknown of like I don't know my ass from a hole in the wall when it comes to to chasing elk and just big timber, you know. So mm. I knew there was some elk at that place again. So I. I, again, I didn't have any time off, but I was watching the weather and it was hot. And then one, this cold front came in and I saw the next morning was supposed to be like 35 degrees. And I was like, if they're anything like any other animal, they're going to be active. I got to go before work that morning. So I go out to this place and I did back to the point of hunting turkeys in the big timber in North Carolina. When I'll go turkey hunting down there, if I didn't hear birds gobbling, it was pretty much a wash for me because I didn't know where they were. They were just scattered all over the place. It was all just big timber, but I would go up on ridges. I would, you know, locate gobble birds, try to, you know, whether it was shot gobbling them or, you know, fly down cackles, like trying to get some birds to hammer off. And then I would run and I would just go chase them. Same type of tactics that I have now developed for elk for the most part, you know, in in, in, in a nutshell. So I go out to this property. I'm like, I got to get on the high ground, find the highest point. I get on the high ground and I freaking, I remember seeing Corey Jacobson. He's like, yes, I'll do like, I don't want to scare him right off the bat. A lot of times I just cow call a couple of times in my bugle tube in case there's something close. And then I'll rip a bugle. Sorry. Meh, meh. Nothing. Rip a bugle. And I hear one answer me just, and he, he just chuckled. And I'm like, really? Did that just happen? So then I'm like, I got to hear it again. I bugle at him again. He bugles at me again. Classic. I'm like, sweet. I know where he's at. He's on the edge of this clear, clear cut. He's on the other side of the property, but he's by this clear cut. That's where he's got to be. So I haul ass down there as fast as I can get there. I got my wind checker out, just getting into my face, doing everything that I've like self-taught. And I get down by the edge of this clear cut and I hammer a bugle off and he just comes unglued, like just comes unglued. I can hear him thrashing a tree up there and I'm like, holy crap. And he come and all of a sudden, boom, here comes a cow, 30 yards. Here comes another cow, 30 yards. Here comes a spike. And they're at 30 yards. And the cows circle around or go down a little bit. And they come right up to me because I'm like on the edge of one of their trails. And I have a cow standing less than 10 yards from me. And she's trying to figure out what I am because she wants to be where I'm at because she wants to get on the trail. And here comes the bull. And of course he doesn't come by at 30 yards. He keeps himself out in the wide open and he, he's at 50 yards, but he comes out and he stops. And it was like the most majestic thing in the world. He just turns and looks at me while he's looking at his cows and he just hammers off a big bugle. And it's like the sunlight coming up behind him a little bit. There's steam rolling out of his mouth. And he's just like, it was just the most majestic thing in the world. I got this cow standing right next to me. I draw my bow back, bow back. I'm like 50 yards. I can do this. No problem. I can do this. He's looking right at this cow. I send my arrow. And because he's looking at the cow, he's basically looking at me. So when I shot, he actually did the splits on me. Some people don't believe El can do it, but he did. He ducked my, <laughs> he ducked my arrow. He did. And he, and my arrow went right over his back and he just trotted off. And that was the rest of it. But I got on the phone on my way out. I got on the phone with my dad and I'm like, dad, you'll never guess what just happened. And he, you know, I told him and I'm like, I missed him. 
but it was the coolest thing that I've ever experienced in the woods. And he's like, I'm so proud of you, Justin. Like, you're not mad at yourself for missing. And I'm like, no, it was awesome. It was like the coolest thing ever. And that right there was kind of what really sealed it. And uh, a week later, I had one more opportunity to go again. And it just got better. I didn't get a shot, but I get in. I went to the same place. I get in. I travel all around this property. And finally, I get one to answer me. And he answers me from like where I first bugled in the morning. And I run back up there. And me and him just get in this pissing match. And no he, I'll bet you we spew, I bet you we scream back and forth at each other, thir- no short of 30 times. And everything that I've learned, you know, now, like there was like that day, I could have killed him, but I didn't know. And as a matter of fact, you, you've talked about it on your podcast, but a couple of days later, I met who became a really good friend of mine. His name's Chris Horton. He runs the Elk Addicts, like he owns Elk Addicts. Yeah. And I met Chris and Chris has became a super good friend of mine. He's one of my big mentors when it comes to elk hunting. And I actually met him in person. He was, he was here in Washington doing a Roosevelt hunt too. And I, I met him and he was like, dude, cause this bull was just thrashing this tree. And he's only like, I mean, he's literally like 15 yards away, but I can't get a shot at him. Cause he's just, and Chris is like, dude, when they're raking, when they're raking, their eyes are closed. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I literally could have came to a full draw and took like two steps to my right and plugged them. But you know, whatever <laughs> it is, what it is like, but it was just, again, yeah. it was just badass. Like didn't kill one that year, but I was like, this is it. Cause I mean, I've told people a million Dude, times. What an experience though. Like that is, that is one of the best seasons to get you hooked. It's like, and you almost like you, not to say you don't want to kill an elk your first year, but like, I always hear these stories and I'm like, yeah, but you're hooked for life now. Because like, if you would have killed, you know, I've seen people kill an elk on their first time and then, you know, whatever. It's elk hunting. Yep. But like nothing sinks that passion in like screwing it up and yeah, like, totally. just being like, oh, so close. Yep. And having, you know, that next encounter where it's like 30 bugles, man, that's oh yeah, cool. I mean, the screw ups come like the next years to follow. And, but I started to figure things out and you, you, you never fully figure it out. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, I learned every single time I set foot in the woods, like I've just, and it's, that's what's so much fun. I tell people all, all the time, like if there was one, if, if, if they told me I had one thing that I could hunt the rest of my life. And I'm telling you, like, when I say I'm a diehard waterfowl hunter, like I'm like diehard waterfowl hunter too. But if there's one thing, like that's, what's great about when the, when the elk rut is, it's like, I can go full retard in freaking September and then just like turn it on for waterfowl season two. But it's like, it's the, it's the um, communication between the animals for me that just does it because like you're, you're totally tricking that animal into believing that you're something real and you're bringing them into range yeah. for you to be able to get a shot. Well, I've been able to the last few years, like mentor other guys, like in my unit that wanted to get into elk hunting. And uh, um, this year, one of my buddies that I taught this, just the stuff that I've learned over trial and error. He killed a nice six by six Rosie this year and yeah. which was super awesome. And then one of my teammates, he, he did the same thing like we were talking about earlier. He grew up hunting in Michigan and was in the Rangers for a while before he came over to, to us. And, um, he always heard me talking about hunting and stuff. And he was like, finally, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this too. And so he wanted to get into it. And I just like went to the whiteboard with him and just told him like kind of everything that I've learned and he had like the most banner year ever without shooting one. <laughs> Same deal, like calling him in the bow range, like 
him and his partner like called a herd bull in the freaking 15 yards. He was standing there full frontal, just couldn't get a shot at him. Like called in two other bulls, having bugle fest back and forth. And I, and he, at the end of the season, he was like a little bit disappointed because he didn't get to get to shoot one. But I was like, dude, CJ, I'm like, you had like the best year you could ever have for your first year. I'm like, dude, you're going to kill one this next year. Like, I just know it. Like you, you, you really seem to figure it out. And he was hunting some of the most pressured areas you could hunt in this area too. And he, they were making it happen, man. And it was awesome. Like what do you learn- think the difference is like, what makes him a good hunter? Do you think? Well, one thing about him is his, his drive. Like he just like determination is just like, he, and same thing. He didn't have any time off. He was guest instructing in a sniper course, like only took the time that he could take like in the mornings before work on the weekends has a family as well. He's a phenomenal father uh, and stuff like that. And he just like was super dedicated to, I mean, I guess what, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Like he was, once he, he was super addicted to that adrenaline, you know what I mean? Like when he, right. he, he, you know, he walked around aimlessly in the woods for a little while and couldn't get anything to happen. And then I told him, I was like, I'm like, Hey, if you're in an area where there's like a lot of elk sign and they're not answering to a bugle, they're not answering to normal cow calls. I was like, this is what a loss, this is what a calf sounds like. And I told him, and, and, and like the next morning he calls me, he's like, I was just calf calling. And a bull bugled at me and I'm like, there you go, man. And once he heard that, it was like, dude, that fire was ignited and it was just, there was nothing stopping him. And the rest of the season was so awesome to hear um, how it went down for him. Like, I have no doubt that this next season, I already, I already told him cause well, first off I'm his boss and I'm taking off a couple of weeks in <laughs> September. So I said, if I'm taking off a couple of weeks, you're taking off a couple of weeks in September. But, um, so I, I have no doubt in my mind that if he doesn't kill one, it'll be another banner year for him. Um, but so one of the things I tell people um, specifically about Washington is like, if I had a week to hunt Washington, I would spend the first two days driving as far away from Washington to hunt as I could. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I killed my it's bull like, in Washington this year, actually. Oh, did you kill bulls here? Yeah, I did. Dude, I did. Oh, okay. Yeah. So what? Yeah, that one, it, that the, one right back there. You can, can maybe barely oh, see yeah. it, but. Um, yeah, I see it now. Today's podcast brought to you by the good folks over at OnX Maps. And if you're not an elite member yet, you seriously need to upgrade because the benefits of being elite are just massive. Not only do you get mapping for all 50 states, which is kind of a must-have just in that, but you get access to Hunt and Fool, Top Rut Draw Odds, and the Hunt Reminder app, which is going to set you up for all the tools you need in one membership to get all your successful hunts and kind of plan out your season. That's not even including all of the exclusive discounts you're going to get on gear from partner brands and all that other good stuff. So Onyx, man, such a great tool. <laughs> I use it so much and I talk about it all the time. I love it. And the new features, oh my gosh, there's so many cool new features coming out and that have just come out. Like if you haven't been playing with it, go check it out again because it is, it's been upgraded and it's some awesome tools for planning your adventures and doing a lot of stuff. So go check it out. Upgrade to the elite membership. Use the code TRO. You save yourself 20%. Yeah. So I mean, if we got time, dude, like, I'll just kind of tell you how no, my yeah. first few years For went sure. and, it, and, it, and, it, it. Yeah. and it goes back to like the, like perseverance and determination because I wanted to hang it up on multiple occasions. Um, and I just couldn't because I, I mean, I needed to make this happen. Um, so that first year, that first year that I kind of really went after that was 2017. 
um, had that really cool, them cool experiences. It really got me hooked. And then 2018, I was deployed to Afghanistan all the way up until September 11th. I came back from Afghanistan, but I um, found some spots on Onyx, just scouting on Onyx, e-scouting, and didn't really have much time. I got home. I wasn't married yet to my wife, but like she was, she was my forever. So like I didn't want to just, you know, dip out on her. You know, like, so like, I, yeah, yeah. So I did a couple like weekend deals. I had a couple good encounters, um, nothing crazy, but I only got to hunt like three or four days. So. It was almost a wash, but learned some stuff still. Um, had a pretty cool encounter with a really nice, like, you know, like ivory tip five point, you know, just a cool, uh, cool bull, you know. Yeah. Um, but then the next year, Chris Horton invited me out to Idaho. Um, and he's like, you should come out. And that was before you had to get into the, the portal and wait forever. Yeah. You know? So yeah, I bought a tag. My brother flew out from uh, Wisconsin and we went out there and hunted Idaho. Uh, Chris was kind enough to send me to where he keeps his wall tent uh, for the season. And uh, so we stayed out there and um, kind of gave me a little bit of lay of the land. He couldn't come out until the last two days. And so we hunted for seven days straight, got a few bulls to answer. We had snow, we had rain, we had just like the worst, you know what I mean? Just like worst conditions ever. And we were putting some miles on, man. And it was, you know, goat country, just like, it was rugged, man. It was rugged. And, uh, saw some raghorns, you know, never really got anything to happen, but was learning stuff like seeing fresh sign, trying to figure it out. Like, um, just never really had any close encounters. And Chris comes out the second to last day, he gets into camp and he's like, you want, you ready to go kill an elk or what? I'm like, yeah, man. I'm like, it's been like the hardest thing ever this week. Like I'm super demoralized, but you know, I'm ready, man. He's like, well, we're going to go like, we we're literally going to go six miles in tomorrow morning. Like you better be ready to go. This dude's built like a silverback gorilla. And he just like, can just, he can just move. Like he can just move. And my brother and I, like, I mean, I'm in pretty good cardio shape for the most part. I, I consider myself a mountain goat for the most part. You put a rucksack on my back, I can move. But this dude was like, damn near breaking me off. I'm like, holy shit. And we get like three and a half miles back and he's like, okay, I think this is like, this, this seems like a pretty good, pretty good area for the, we'll, we'll, we'll see if there's anything, anything out here. He rips one bugle and like every mountain around us just erupts. Like bulls are just, uh, just going nuts. We're just like, and I'm like, Oh my God, I've never heard. So, I mean, these, and it was like his bugle just like turned into all these other ones, just starting to go back and forth at each other. My brother and I look at each other. We're like, Oh my God, where are we? Like, we've been close to this the whole time, but <laughs> we hadn't heard this at all. So right. we go and get on a bull and like, we get really close. Uh, we saw him, we got into him, like almost got a shot at him that day. And he's like, okay, well, we're going to go back out for the night. Um, and we're going to go back in there tomorrow morning. And so we go back in there the next morning, we get on this bull again. And um, he's just sounded like a, like a gorilla himself. He just kind of bed bugle for the most part, just, ooh, 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 you know, just sitting there and yeah. Yeah. we get on him, and uh, we get up to this flat um where he went up the ridge where we thought he was going to be kind of bedding and we never found him and uh chris was just like hey man we're gonna do something kind of completely out of the ordinary i'm gonna go down this way you and your brother drop down through here and we had one other guy with us and he was like and you cut down through here we all had an in reach and he's like one of us is gonna find him and when we find him just send out a, send out a shot, a calm shot so we can regather and we can actually get on them and hunt them. 
Well, I went down through and he's like, and let's meet at the big rock. There's this rock down in this bottom that was like the size of a mini, like mini school bus. Like this, just this massive rock. That was the, the rally point. Well, my brother and I didn't run into him and we go down. It's like, now it's like two o'clock in the afternoon. We get to the rock and we're like, okay, we're sitting there. And I, for some reason, I, my, my gut told me like, I should probably put my release back on. Like I should sit here. And all of a sudden I hear a bugle. I'm like, what the hell? I'm like, did you hear that? He's like, yeah. I'm like, dude, I think that, I think that was a real bugle. And then I heard Chris bugle. And then I hear a bulk just come unglued again. And it's like a hundred yards behind me. I'm like, holy shit. So I run as fast as I can in the direction of that bull. And I gain like 70 yards and I, and I just couch up a little bit and he just turns and just starts running my direction screaming and and I'm like, my brother's filming too. Cause him and his buddies have like a white tail YouTube deal. And so my brother's got his camera. He's filming. I see this bull, like run down around the outside edge of me. And he's just screaming. Cause it turns out Chris found him. And there was a cow that was about to bust him. Cause she winded him. And he's like, it's either all or nothing. Like I'm either going to get winded right. or I'm going to challenge Google this bull and just try to get him to blow up, but kind of blow up the herd. And so right. he challenged Google this bull and like, he kind of, he lost his cows. And so when I was cow chirping, he thought I was one of his cows that got away from him and he come running down there. And like now over the years, like I've figured out, like, kind of, I don't really, I personally don't care how big the bull is right now. Cause I'm still too green to like care about killing a trophy bull, but he's right. probably like a three fifteen, like three twenty, you know, public land, Idaho bull, you know, like over the counter bull, just a, just a giant, you know, it's got whale tails, you know, on him and stuff like, and he's screaming, coming across this thing. And he comes to 47 yards is where I finally, like he got close and then he kind of busted out or went back. He gets to 47 yards. I got a shot at him, draw my bow back, sink my pin, let her fly. Arrow hits a limb. My arrow hits a limb. Oh. <laughs> skips that was it that was the last day i had to hunt there uh, that was it no but it was insane you know just an awesome day again it was just like a completely addicting thing like went through a lot of trials that week just didn't just didn't get them killed which it is what it is like the whole right. experience it was just you know so that's like year two um were you, were you still like, okay, I'm still in learning phase where you're like, man, I got to figure this out. Like, where were you mentally? Cause I feel like, you know, I've been there where it's like, man, I got to figure this out. Like I, yeah. I should be better than this. You know, I'm just kind of curious where you were. Well, um, I mean, yeah, I was definitely at the point where I was like, I, I mean, I, I'm seeing all this stuff. I'm learning this stuff. Like I really have to figure out how I'm going to how I'm going to make this happen. Like, Bring what is it there. like? What? Yeah. What are everything that I've learned? Like, let's go back to the drawing board again and just really figure that, figure out how to make, how to seal the deal. And more or less too, I was like, okay, year one, like I have this super, this super awesome experience and I get a shot at this bull, but he's 50 yards. Not that you can't shoot 50 yards all day. I'm like, but dude, I watch all these people are shooting them at 20 yards, man. I'm like, come on. Give me, oh, I forgot to mention, I forgot to mention, Cody, that big giant bull that I'm, that, that I got stuffed on the stick in Idaho, that bull was standing 15 yards from my pack. He was right next to the rock. Yeah. So when I ran 70 yards closer to him, when he circled down around he me to round up way. his cows, he was standing right next to my back, right next to my pack. So if I'd have been standing by the rock, anyways, whatever. So it, it, 
it, it is what it is. But so the next year I took a leap of faith and um, I was like, I'm gonna go to Eastern Oregon. You can buy them over the counter still. I've wanted, I've really liked hunting uh, Rocky mountains out there in uh, Idaho. So I'm gonna go to Eastern Oregon, go out there. And I mean, I don't, I don't care. Like you got to draw for it now, but um, I went to Starkey. It's out to Starkey unit and found an area there and pulled in where I was in the camp, laid down, laid on my cot by my truck. And the, the bulls were just screaming their asses off down in this meadow all night like I couldn't even sleep it was awesome it was Labor Day weekend I didn't have any time off other than Labor Day weekend was a four day and then two weeks later I had another four day weekend and so I was like okay I'm gonna do four days and I'm gonna do go out and do four days again gone and got making it happen I like it yeah it was awesome so you know I mean that ain't no short drive I mean we're talking seven and a half hours out there from you know the Fort Lewis area I mean so it's spend quite a bit of time driving out there and driving back, you know, but got into some animals, had a great time, never had anything like super close. Like bulls were pretty quiet during the day. Like they do go at night a little bit. Like the more I've learned, like now if I could go do back and do it all over again, I would have just spent some time in the dark that night and just trying to narrow in where these bulls were bugling from. And then I could make a game plan on which one to dive in on the next morning. But I didn't know that. But I come back here to Washington and like one day, you know, sitting at my house, I'm like, ah, my gut's telling me to buy a Washington tag. I'm just going to just give it a shot. And I had, I had a late morning one morning for work. And I told my wife Sunday night, I said, I'm going to go buy a tag. And I was super cocky. I'm like, I'm going to kill a bull tomorrow. I'm going to do it. She's like, okay. So I go to this this piece of ground not too far from Fort Lewis and walk in there and I get into this area that's like pretty elky and then I, I can like really smell them. I'm like, there's there, there's either a bull right here or there was one here just really recently. And uh, so I call a little bit and then I see this tree and I'm like, that looks like a perfect tree. I'm on the edge of what a pretty nasty reap route. I'm like, you know, good bedding area. I'm like, I'm gonna go rake this tree, see if I can't solicit some movement out of that area. I take like two steps towards that tree and there was already a bull like standing 15 yards from me in that reap rod just in his head was barely out looking at me and he busts back into the reap rod and I just cow called at him a little bit. He turns right around, comes right back towards me and I can hear him coming and I'm like, oh, sweet. And it was a few years ago when we had like really bad fires here. And so it was like, it looked foggy, but it was all smoke. Right. He pops out at 40 yards directly downwind of me. And gives me the time, the time, every every time in the world for me to just get my shit together and make it happen. <laughs> he's standing broadside. He's a nice forever. Yeah, five point. And I can't get my release on my D loop, dude. I'm like trying to get my release. Like I'm, I'm like, <laughs> and I'm telling myself, okay, breathe, get yourself together here. And I finally get hooked on, and I draw my bow back, and I shoot a single pin, and I won't ever. I, I will. I, I like my single pin. Some people don't like it for elk hunting, but I didn't quite know exactly how far he was. Um, I thought he was probably around like forty or so, and I shot him, and I had a full pass through, and I hit him full pass through, and I'm like sweet i did it man like he that just happened yeah it just, it just happened and he runs off and i didn't really hear anything else it just kind of got quiet and i went i waited 30 minutes and i went down to i found my arrow and there was some discoloration on two of my fletchings but one of my fletchings had uh 
had some lung bubble, like lung bubbles on it. So I was like, I think I hit him far further back than I wanted to, but I think I clipped at least one lung. Like I'm going to give him some time. I went to work. I gave him seven hours. I, like I went to work and I drove back out there later on and, um, looked all day, looked the next day, never found him. And elk are so tough. Oh, dude. And it just like absolutely crushed me. And I, but I was like, well, screw it. We're going back to Oregon again that next four day weekend. So we go back to Oregon and, um, hunt Starkey again for like a couple of days. And you, you can just tell me to shut up whenever too, cause I can just talk forever. No, dude, stuff, I'm but, kicking it. <laughs> um, so we go out to Starkey again, kind of get into a few animals, nothing much like, and we just took a leap of faith again. And we're like, well, let's go just try a completely new unit. Like we drove like two hours to a different unit out there. Um, won't say because you can actually still hunt there um, without drawing it. <laughs> um, but <laughs> go to this new unit, drive up to where we think this is a good area to go. And there's trucks everywhere. And you've been in Eastern Oregon, I, I assume. Oh, yeah. Yeah, everything yeah, is like, every, everything's hunting from the top down. Like most of the places yep. are hunting up top. Well, I'm in this like super steep area. Would, would be like, it was super steep. And I'm like looking and I'm like, man, if I was the elk, I'd be way the hell down there because nobody's going to walk down there and walk back up like most people. Right. So yeah. we found a way around on Onyx, like found a couple BLM, found a BLM gate and this rancher had an easement through his property. And we drive through this guy's ranch and we hit a gate before the gate that was on the map and it said no hunting. And I'm like, oh shit. Well, we're st I've got a picture of it. My buddy took a picture of me and my buddy standing in front of this. And I didn't even know he took the picture, but we're just like defeated. Just standing there like in front of this <laughs> gate that says no hunting. Lo and behold, here comes this dude comes riding up on his quad. And he's like, Hey, you, go you boys going through? We're like, uh, no, it's like a gate. Like it says no hunting. He goes, Oh, he said, I own this place, man. He's like, he's like, you can just go through here. I'll open the gate. I'll let you through. And he's like, but just get up to the BLM before you get out and actually hunt. I'm like, right. okay, sweet. I go, you've been seeing the elk down here? He goes, oh man, it's been a highway down here for like the last week. I'm like, sweet. <laughs> uh, any good starting points at all by chance? And he's like, he's like, yeah, go up to such and such Creek. And they've been coming off the hill there and just bang a left and head up into that area. I'm like, okay, next morning, walk up to that Creek. It's so steep scale on this thing. We had our bows on our backs because we had, you could reach out and basically touch it, you know? Yeah get up to this like somewhat level spot take our bows off our packs i pull my bugle tube out rip one locator bugle and four bulls hammer off right there like just hammer off like and go time oh dude it was go time like I, one 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 bull ran into another herd they started fighting right there like just this no just way. this oh dude it was it was insane awesome and uh we chased this bull and his cows for a little while. And I just, after everything I've learned, I was like, let's just leave him be. I was like, I looked at, looked at the map. I was like, he's going this direction. I'm like, here's a bench right here. I think he's going to bed right here. Let's just leave him for a while. We'll leave him for an hour, get some food in our bellies. And then we'll just go re-engage. Left him for an hour, got to like where I thought he might be. And I bugled. And he was right there where I thought he was going to be. And I mean, I got the two, I got the two guys down in shooting positions that I had with me and that bull comes out and just puts on a show at 30 yards and they couldn't get a shot at him. 
for what both guys have never done it before either. You know, like they'd never elk hunted before. So they didn't know how aggressive you could be and move in and stuff like right. that. And, but they caught, they got, so they got to see some cool things. Like this, a cow came down and like the lead cow came down and actually brushed up against his, like my buddy Nate's like, dude, this cow came down. She brushed up against him and was kind of like, Hey, let's go. Like, don't worry about him. Like, don't worry about him. Let's go. And they went off. That's cool. And went and I just, we just left him again. And then I went and re-engaged him and we got into him super heavy again. And it was like two hours left of light. And I know we could have probably tried harder to get the bull, but you could shoot a cow in that unit too. And it was our last day and uh, we ran around where we thought they were coming. And all of a sudden these cows start coming down through this little drainage. And I saw the bull and he was a big, he was a big bull and he was like 80 yards and he kind of gave us the slip. So I told my buddy Seth, I was like, dude, step up on this rock and shoot one of these cows. Cause these cows were like all at 35 yards, 40 yards. So he draws his yeah. bow back, shoots this cow. She runs off. We watch her tip over. And like, so we went to work, you know, and we just an awesome season again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I had that misfortune myself, but we got to, you know, had an awesome rut fest. One of the best rut fests I've ever been in still to this day and killed a cow, you know, like we, you know, we all split it cause we worked super hard, you know, for it together. And it right, was just a right. really awesome experience. Like his first animal ever with a bow. Um, so it was, it was just a really cool experience. Um, I feel like you're getting closer and closer. It's like, you know, like you're, you're narrowing it in, narrowing it in, narrowing it in. And it's like, you still got to like put yourself in those opportunities. And like in the elk hunting course, I'm always talking about, like, you just got to put enough good opportunities in front of yourself and be able to do that consistently like it's all about building a system to get yourself into those positions and then once you're there there's things you can do to kind of take luck out of the equation mm-hmm. but at the end of the day you still have to put yourself in the red zone multiple times a season if you want because you could be the best hunter in the world you'd be ryan lampers and you know everything has still has like it still has to go correctly in the red zone and that's not always going to happen maybe for ryan but not for everyone else but like it still has to go like right perfect right there's always going to be mistakes there's going to be issues it's like oh he went left and i went right and you know whatever and like those type of things happen but the more times you can consistently put yourself in the red zone like that's when you start finding success and like as i'm hearing these stories it's like yeah now you're consistently putting yourself in that red zone you're getting in range like now it's just got to fine tune and the hard part is is like when you start out, you're kind of just trying to figure out elk in general, how to find elk, how to get close to elk. And then it takes a few years before you even get close. And so then you have to figure out what you can get away with, what you can't get away with, you know, all these like things that you didn't even consider for the first two or three years. Cause you were just trying to find elk. And now it's yeah. like, Oh, uh, you know, and like the new guy, you know, didn't get away or couldn't, you didn't realize you could get away with this, like the, the rubbing thing. It's like, oh, you know, and like yeah. the veterans like, oh man, you can just walk right up and shoot them when that happens. You know, it's all these things, like you kind of got to go through those trials and errors, but like after you do, you like start putting the pieces together, start getting consistently in the red zone, consistently getting those opportunities. Yeah, totally. Like I think about that day too. And my buddy, Nate, like he's, he's done it on and off now when time's allowed for him, but that day specifically, like I was trying to get him into that zone and and I was like maybe only 20 yards behind him like calling and and I could see a couple cows come by and I know this bull's coming and I'm like looking at him he's like tiptoeing down he's got his face mask up you know and I'm like Nate get down there I'm like go man get down there go go 
and he's just kind of like you know step and step and step and, and i actually like ran down next to him and i was like let's go and you need to push down there and the, the bull still ended up scooting away but um you know like i i hear you talk about uh you know kind of graduating from like that 101 to 201 you know um phase and at this point like i feel like i was like i'm really starting to get into that 201 minus minus actually put, you know putting putting horns on my pack you know what i mean like and because right. i've like I, I really felt like i was like man i'm figuring this out like i'm learning every time i go but like it's just a matter of time like you know the right. the born and raised guys and multiple other people say time and time again it only takes one you know what i mean and it really does yep. like it only takes one and hey quick interruption to tell you about a gigantic giveaway that we're doing and we're giving away a full glassing setup a tricer gtp setup uh the pan head the adapter and a set of maven b6s in 12 by 50 i love these binos they're amazing and a MagView phone adapter to top it all off it's a 1700 full setup so how do you gonna how are you gonna win? Glad you asked. Go sign up for my elk hunting course. The course is only $30 right now and you get entered to win this giveaway. So what makes this course different than every other course out there? This course skips 99% of the things that you already know. This course won't take you months to get through. This course is broken down into sub 10 minute videos so you can bounce around and look at what's applicable. This course is, it has a full audio version, so you can listen to it on your drive to work or your drive to wherever. This course is about showing you how to develop a system that works for you where you hunt in any situation throughout the year. My goal with this is to take the average learning curve from five years down to two years. So if shaving three years off of riding the struggle bus is worth the cost of a pack of broadheads to you, then you should go check it out. Oh, and you might just win a $1,700 setup from Maven and Tricer and MagView. So click the link in the show notes and go get signed up before March 15th and be entered to win this really cool giveaway. Um, I was deployed for six months again the next year, and um, but I knew I was taking off time for September. I was getting back September 1st. I was getting back from my deployment and I was like, I'm taking time off. Um, and so I took 10 days off to go hunt uh, the Oregon coast. And I um, went down to my dad's buddy from the air force owns a, just a small little ranch in uh, uh, West central Oregon. And uh, we went down and hunted uh, some of the, some of the timber ground down there, public areas down there. And uh, I had a friend of mine with me, Justin as well. He had never elk hunted before and he really wanted to get into him. And, and this, this, is a point that I want to drive home for a lot of people that are listening that may haven't made it happen yet. Um, is like, I told Justin on day one, I said, this is a game of expectation management. Like <laughs> if, if we, if we go out today with the mindset that like, we're going to like, we have to, we have to kill a bull. Like we we have to do this. Like we have to get a shot at one. Then like, we're just going to let ourselves down. So like, let's, right. so the first thing we want to do is like, let's just get one to answer us. Like, let's just, let's get a bugle and then we'll go from there. And I, and, uh, I'm not kidding you, man. Like we get to our first, the very first point on the first morning that we had to hunt ripple, I ripple. Okay. Bugle bull answers me right off the bat. I'm like, perfect. Now let's go. Now let's go get an encounter with him. Let's go get an encounter with him. So we haul ass up to the spot where we thought he was at, uh, ended up calling him into 25 yards and, uh, just, Justin was the shooter and just didn't get a shot at him like this, but it was cool. Like it was awesome. Right. 
Like really cool thing. I think you got this e-scouting thing down pretty pat. Yeah, I was, I mean, just learning (laughs) it, you know? So we, we, uh, kind of chased that herd around for a while. He had a real throaty bugle and you could tell it was him. We chased him for like two and a half days. Uh, yeah, two and a half days or so. I ended up, uh, ended up seeing him almost, almost getting a shot at item. He, it was so weird. When I saw him, I was completely thrown back. I thought he was like something to like to super brag about because of how his bugle was, but he was the herd bull. He had, he had 20 cows of them and he was just this rag five. Like he was just like, Oh really? but he was so <laughs> like, he sounded so mean. I was like, Holy shit. Yeah. When I finally saw him, like his entire herd of cows came out at 15 yards and crossed this cat road in front of me. And I was like, I was down to shoot whatever. I couldn't, couldn't shoot a cow there, but I could, as long as I had a horn, I could shoot it. Well, the spike was the, he comes across and he like jumps the road and does, he's the only one that doesn't stop. Every cow would come out and stop and look at me. And he just jumped the road. I'm like, son of a bitch. I couldn't, couldn't, couldn't get a shot at him. Well, I was like, you know what? I'm done playing cat and mouse with this bull. We're going somewhere else. And uh, one of my other mentors, his name's Tony. He, uh, he really helped me out and I told him what was going on. And he was like, Hey, um, here's an area you could try. Um, just like try this area out. See, see if there, there's elk in there and see if you can't make it happen. So we drive three hours away from where we were at, get there. We have like a couple like an hour and a half left daylight. I was like, let's at least walk in a little ways so we could see what it's like. So we know what we're getting into the next morning. And, uh, I walk in like a half a mile and there's like already more elk sign than I had seen the last three days before that get over this first clear cut. And I just bugle down in there and a cow answers back to me, just meh, meh from down in the bottom in this Creek bottom. I'm like, Oh shit. Well, if there's cow, there might be bull down there too. So we get the wind right. And we run down there. I get, get down to where we think they're at. I bugle again and she freaking meh. And she walks right up out of the bottom, two cows. They just casually walk by at 20 yards. I'm like, this is cool i mean no bull but like there's obviously elk here yeah so next morning go out there sure enough in that bottom there was one that was we had fired up pretty good he ended up leaving and just that one didn't work out go like another mile back get into another bull bugling I'm still like, I'm trying to work things that I've been learning on. It's not working yet. And then I get back to this like magical spot. (laughs) (laughs) I bugle down in this bottom and four bulls answer me. And I'm like, okay, which one sounds the closest and which one sounds like he wants to play a little bit more than the other ones. I just kind of just felt out their tempers temperament. And I picked one and went with them got in there, saw his cows. He was bugling. I could see his cows in this like real dark bottom and he's just hammering back at me, but he's not coming close to me. He's just going away. So I did the same thing, looked at the map and I was like, if if I was him, I'm going to go bed right here on, in this reap rod up on this bench. This is where I think he's going to go. So we're like, let's leave him for an hour and then we'll just go re-engage and uh, left him for a bit wind got bad. So I had to come in from a different direction and it took me like an hour and a half to get through the nastiest stuff that I've, <laughs> I was getting hung up. Like, I was like, this is, this is terrible. It's like 12 o'clock when I finally bust out in the area where I think he's at. And 
I actually had service there and I texted my wife and I'm like, man, I think I blew it. Like I thought we were going to make it happen. She goes, don't give up now. She's like, he's got to be close. And I'm like, all right. And I heard him bed bugle and I'm like, holy shit. He just, just did it on his own. Just me. I just heard him bed bugle. I'm like, Oh, he's right there. So we ran about a hundred yards closer to where he came from and we got set up and I said, all right, man, you ready? And he's like, yeah. And I just, did this growly kind of, I mean, I challenged, essentially challenged people going down in there, just, and he cut me off, just, just cut me straight off. So I hammered at him again. He cut me off again. And in less than a minute, I had him standing at 20 yards, the most perfect chip shot in the world. Just, it was incredible. Standing there 20 yards, snot rolling out of his face. He was like the size of a freaking red Angus bull, just a giant, you know, and uh, he was like a perfect five point on one side and then this big club horn on the other side, just this super cool bull. Yeah, I'm at full draw, I anchor, and I'm, I was listening to your podcast with Joel Turner just recently, and it's so true. Like, I just talked myself through it. I was like, I'm like, okay, I shoot a single pin and I keep it dialed for 40 and I just know my hold unders. And so I drew back and I'm like, okay, I'm like, aim a touch low. All right, good. Whack. And just sent it right through him, dude. Just like butter, just sent it right through him. And uh, I turned around, I looked at Justin, I said, we did it, man. We did it. And he's like, dude, it sounded like you just shot a watermelon. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, we did it. Like, no doubt about it. Straight through the lung box, like perfect shot. And uh, waited 45 minutes just to calm down. And went up to impact blood is awesome. There's blood everywhere and, uh, have good blood for like 70 yards, like really good blood. And then it just starts tapering out and, uh, gets down to like, I mean, pins and needles. You know, I called my buddy, Tony, he drove three hours down. We looked for nine hours, um, all through this. I mean, you could only see five feet in front of you and the area we were in, you know, we were on our hands and knees, like, I mean, just scaled this place. You can't really, I mean, for people that know this kind of train, like you can't grid it out. Like people would think right. you can. it's almost impossible. I went and down every, you could walk 10 feet from an elk and not see it. And it yeah. sounds ridiculous, but I've done it. Yeah. You know, and it just looked for nine hours that day went back the next day, looked more and then hunted in the afternoon for my buddy. Cause I had him. And then we went back the next day, looked some more. And then, uh, our hunt was over the season ended like a couple days later. And I was laying in bed one night and I was like, I told my wife, I'm like, I got to go try one more time. Like, I can't just leave it be. I went to Walmart and bought a mountain bike so I could ride back there faster and not had that. Didn't have to walk so far pedaled my ass back there started at the beginning, went all the way back through again. And I got to the spot and I sat down and I just said a little prayer. And I said, God, just like, give me a sign. Like, give me, give me something, like, show me something. And all of a sudden out of nowhere, here comes this, this freaking uh, vulture, just this buzzard just swoops in and starts circling this area right below me. And then like 10 more buzzards are just circling this area. Dude, I'm in the middle of nowhere. I'm in the middle of nowhere. You know what I mean? Buzzards aren't there unless there's something dead there, you know? Right. And they're just circling this area. And I'm just sitting there and I'm like, come on, 
come on, one of you cocksuckers. I'm like, land, just land, just, just, land. just, yeah. just fall into the, fall in somewhere. So I can, and I looked all over, I was in like grass up to my chest and all this stuff. Like these buzzards are still all around me. They're not landed, but like, and I never found him. I just never yeah, found him. He's gotta him. be right there. No doubt about it. Killed him like full pass through right center lungs. Like he's, I mean, he died like, you know, and, and so then I start questioning myself and I went the year before I went through a phase of target panic too, you know, and I, I was like, man, did I not shoot him where I thought, but man, Justin saw it happen. Like he, you know, like, right. I'm like, there's no doubt about it. Like he's dead, you know? And it just like, the point I'm trying to drive home is like, I wanted to hang it up. Like, I was like, man, I, this two years in a row now, like, I'm like, I don't know. And to be quite honest with you, like not many people know this, but now they're going to know this story, but like, cause yeah. it's, it's honestly, it's, it's a little bit embarrassing for me. Cause like, I'm like, oh, man, I I, I've shot a lot of animals with my bow a lot. And I've never lost it. I've never lost one before in my life until this. And I'm not going to like, people are, people are going to hear this and they're going to, they're going to think differently, but like I shot mechanicals my whole life. And when I came out here to start elk hunting, I was told through and through and through, like, don't shoot mechanicals. Don't shoot mechanicals. You got to shoot fixed blade. So I put a fixed blade on and that's what I've, that's what I was using. Cause I'm like, I got it. That's what I got to do. Cause like, it's going to get through there. And I never lost an animal until I put a fixed blade broadhead on. Right. And, you know, and it is what it is like, but confidence is King when it comes to archery hunting. Oh. Like, confidence is King. You have to be comfortable. You, you have to be comfortable with what you're shooting. You have to be like, and if you're not, and so that kind of just really dug into me. I was like, man, like, I know I killed him, but I didn't have hardly a blood trail. I know elk have to fill up significantly. I was like, man, I, I wasn't questioning myself well, what I saw. I was like, I know I hit him where I, where I hit him. So that was last year. And that was like, it was just a banner year again, like called him multiple bulls, like had an awesome season. Like everything went perfect. Like. I mean, have finally had my 20 yard chip shot. It was just, it was the most ideal thing ever. It just ended in heart heartbreak, you know, and it is what it is. Like, I just, I can't control that, you know, like I, I did everything right. I just can't control that. But I was like, I can't, I didn't expect to hunt this year at all. Like I hadn't, didn't, had no intentions on hunting this season because my son was born on August, 20, uh, August 20th and oh. his, his due date was September 1st. And so I, and he was born 10 days early, healthy as a cucumber. I had no intention on elk hunting. I was living vicariously through all my buddies. And my wife right. told me, my wife told me one day, she's like, Hey, you should go, you should take a day and see if you can make it happen. Like, don't go far. Just like find somewhere with somewhat close and see if you can make it happen. So I found a piece, I find a piece of ground that is like 30 minutes from my house. And, uh, I drop a few pins on Onyx where I think I can catch them in transition from feed to, to bed. I'm like, I'm going to just try to go get in the middle of them in the morning. I think they might be there. And that morning, September 16th, I got to the trailhead. I waited like 30 minutes until I felt like I could at least shoot comfortably out to like 40 yards and uh, walked in, got about four or 500 yards down the trail and hit my attack point where I thought, that I could bust into that transition point. And I looked to my left and I could see some really nice dark timber and some skunk cabbage and stuff. And I'm like, ah, this is where I'm going to go in. I had to bust through a tiny little Creek. And so I just 
Cal called a couple times as I broke a bunch of branches and shit to get in there. And I get up to this spot and I'm like, this looks like a good spot. I could just, you know, cold call a little bit. And I Cal called one time and I heard a stick break. And I'm like, that sounds like an elk. And so as I knock an arrow, I hear a cow. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, there's definitely a cow coming. Before I could even get to it, there's a cow standing at 30 yards. And I could shoot whatever in this unit. So I was like, I'm gonna shoot whatever because I just want to. Right. She's standing at 30 yards, and I'm like, well, turn broadside. And she couldn't really see me very well because it was like dark timber, you know. And the wind was good. And anyways, she didn't, she couldn't quite figure out what I was. So she bust, like turned around and walked out of there and she went to go downwind of me. And as she was walking away, I saw the bull standing there and he's about to step out at 30 yards. And she got downwind of me and she barked at yeah. me. She barked at me. And he's like, Nope, I'm going to go and follow her. So he follows the direction she, uh, she went and I knew he was going to cross this lane. And, uh, I was like, I, I knew he was going to be kind of a further shot again. I was like, unless I can get a good range on him, I'm going to let him walk and I'll just go and get it. I'll re-engage him. Well, he stepped out on that lane and stepped and just stood there. I hit him with my range finder. He was 47 yards. And I did the same exact thing as, as Joel was talking about. I quick dialed to 50 drew my bow back and I just said to myself, I was like, you can do this. No problem. You got this. And I sent it double longed him, watched him trot off, heard him crash. And I still waited an hour, you know, but I literally like, yes, I knew, yeah. I knew he was dead. And I literally like, just, I dropped my bow on the ground and I sat down on this log and I was like, man, like what a year, like, I got into a new house that I didn't expect to buy, had a beautiful baby boy. And then I just finally, I finally just shot my first bowl. And like, I walked up to where I shot him and it was a walking blood trail. Like it was just, I didn't need, like, I just could, I could walk full, full. Yeah. I just followed it and just, you know, walked right up on him and, Oh, and I did go back. I did. I did. I went back to mechanicals. I did. I, I told my confidence, confidence is king, man. And I was like, you know what? I'm going back to what I've shot for years. And I did. And, and I will, I'll keep doing that now because it worked for me. And, and, uh, anyways, yeah, just walked up on them and I was just like all by myself and just sat down and just kind of took in the moment, you know, by myself and then made a few phone calls and, started going and starting started quartering them up and stuff and then my buddy one of my teammates came out and helped me pack them out with his, his daughter came out too with him his five-year-old daughter cool. came with so that was a really fun experience and yeah and then that's him back there he's he was a super old bull he's not like a giant but he's super he was super old and uh just just awesome i mean like of all like the it was a super anticlimactic hunt as far as like you know he wasn't super what he wasn't fired up yeah, he wasn't was doing it, anything crazy you know but, it wasn't the chaos had, that it's been in yeah years. i had all that leading up to it but it was just like it was perfect i stepped into the woods and i put an arrow on a bull 30 minutes after i did in an area that i'd never been in before in my life you know like and that's and it was just good. like i mean that's cool yeah so that's when i graduated cody i graduated at 201 status right there <laughs> yeah <laughs>
yeah so i like it i mean like i've never said like you know this this is where one on one or two one is to me it's just like consistency like it's always like and, and you know it when you're there like when you're 101 you're kind of just wandering around the woods trying to figure it out like you know you're you're doing a lot of dabbling and yeah. then once you develop your system like, to me that's like a 201 it's like once you have that system you're like okay this is what we do like here's that that builds confidence yeah. and that's where consistency comes from uh you know i was, I was going to ask you like you know what advice would you give yourself when you first started out but like what how would you describe the journey like dude, that's such a cool journey was it like five six years in yeah. how and like so how do you describe the journey from like where you were in the beginning to like finally putting your hands on that first elk well i mean it's it's surreal for one you know but like you know going back from the very beginning i mean it's it goes back to the beginning of our conversation. You know, a lot of people are just like afraid to get out of their comfort zones, you know? And like, this is like a huge, te- this is a huge testimony to like, if you're willing to do it and you're willing to just try, like, I didn't have anybody to walk me through it. Like I ended up meeting Chris, you know, a few years, a couple years later, um, my buddy, Tony, who's helped me out too, and just dropping some knowledge on me, but like, I, I didn't have those guys to hunt with me really, you know, like I learned, I learned it all on my own. And it was just this, uh, like what was so fulfilling for me was that like, I was taking the knowledge, I was, I was taking the knowledge that I was reading about or listening to or watching on YouTube or, or whatever it was. And I was applying it and it was all through trial and error and through, you know, to the point of my entire story there to like some very misfortunes, but some also like, you know, incredible, incredible opportunities, you know, and like, and it all comes down to like, it, it does only take one, you know, and, um, but like you said, Cody, like, you got to get in, you got to get into the red zone, you have to have those encounters, you know, to like, become better at it. And like, it's, it's been an incredible journey. And I really hope that like, I've opened a can of like, I'm hoping I'll go on a killing streak. You know what I mean? Where it's just like, now that I've, now that it happened, you know, cause like last year, I, other than packing the packing a bull out, like I, I truly do believe that I could, I mean, I killed that bull. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't fully count it because I didn't put meat in the freezer, but like the circle of life took care of them. And so like, I've, I feel like I've figured out my system and what's working for me. And I'm excited for this season because my brother's going to come out with me again. And we're going to hunt Oregon coast again this year. Cause I've really fallen in love with Roosevelt's because the, I love hunting Rocky mountain elk, but like of all the Roosevelt bulls that I've gotten a bugle eight out of 10 of them, I've at least called into range and just maybe not gotten a shot at them. But like, I've, right. they, once you get them fired up, like they just, they've just really fire and I love it. Um, so, um, I mean, I, that was kind of a roundabout way of explaining it, but like, I'm looking forward to like, I'm 34 years old right now. And I'm hoping like, I hear some of these guys, like the elk nuts, you know, 65, you know, and he's still running around the mountains. And I'm like, man, if I'm, if God blesses me with being able to stay in good enough shape to run around and I'm 65, I'm like, man, dude, I could kill a lot of bulls between now and then, you know, <laughs> like, so my journey's only just begun and it's, and it's, 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 the, it's awesome. the thing is like, it goes back to like the whole reason we started this conversation was like, man, you have to bring 
you know, your life into the life that you have, right? You have to do with do what you can with what where you are. And this is very true for active military people, but it's like, I don't think people understand what this journey is going to take you on. And like, I've been a huge believer of elk hunting is my yoga in some degree, but it's also like, it's my, you know, Buddhism or it's my, whatever. It's like my Zen. It's, it takes you on this journey of like becoming a totally different human than when you started. And you're like, there's so much frustration and, and like difficulties that you have to overcome like the things you have to do. And like, even for me as an entrepreneur, it's like, it's like, I see so many parallels between elk hunting and, you know, my day-to-day life. And so it's like, I, it's just this crazy journey. And now I'm at this point, you know, so I'm 36 and I'm like, man, I want to think about life longevity for the only reason, like I got to keep up with elk nut, you know, when I'm mm-hmm. 65, when I'm 70, I still want to be chasing elk. And yeah. it's like, okay, because I don't ever want to be like, man, I only have like 20 seasons left. Like, that's right. crazy. It's a crazy right. thought. Right. And so it's like, I don't want to like, okay, how do I, how do I focus on longevity for purely elk hunting, which sounds crazy, but it's like, yeah, I want to be there when I like chase elk with my kid, you know? And like, I, I probably only have a few more years before, you know, my son's like chasing elk and totally. like, okay, we're doing that, which is like, that's crazy. It's a whole nother like experience that goes into like the, the mm-hmm. thing, right? Um, and so like, I don't know, to me, it's like elk hunting has been such a big driver for me to improve my life. It's like the reason I, like, I don't really care about money, but for a lot of reasons, like I still have to develop enough cash flow that I can be able to go mm-hmm. hunting a lot. Right? right. And, you know, I don't really care about, I, well, I didn't growing up, like think about longevity of life and, you know, all these, you know, these, um, health benefits or whatever, but it's like, now it's like, okay, when you, when you break it down to like, okay, how do I elk hunt until I'm 70, 75, whatever. Right. Then it's like, oh yeah, I need to figure that out. And like, all these things, like it just drives you to be a better human. And I've, I've always been a huge believer of that. It's like elk hunting will make you a better human. It's frustrating as hell. And it's yeah. one of the hardest things you'll ever do, but at the end of the day, it's going to make you a better person. Yeah. And I mean, and, and, and to that point too, like when it comes to the military, when it comes to like, I mean, the, the overall op tempo that I've had over 17 years of being operational, like, like it is, it is, it is my therapy, like not just elk hunting, but just being in the outdoors in general. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's, it, it really is what like, you know, everybody, everybody like thinks about PTSD as, as in it's a flashbacks and it's all this crazy stuff, but it's not for the majority. It's not, it's like, it's, it's just the stressors of all that stuff that have just compounded over time. And like, for me, it's a, it's one of my symptoms and I, and I'll be completely honest to the public and I don't care. Cause I mean, I think people should be honest about it, but it's like my anxiety levels just go through the roof at times and my Zen or my, what you would consider, you know, like being in the outdoors and, and being, you know, in that, uh, environment is what really just kind of calms, calms me and just gives me a reset, whether it's sharing a duck blind with guys, or it's, you know, being at 5,000 feet in the mountains, you know, take, you know, eating a protein bar, just looking at some of the most beautiful country in the world, you know, and, I mean, a few years ago that year when I went to Idaho, um, uh, without going too far in depth, like one of my teammates was killed in Afghanistan, like a month before that. And, uh, it was like, 
extremely, extremely hard. And I saw a different side of it because I had just left my team before that trip. And so he, I wasn't on that trip. And so I saw, I, I saw everything from the stateside perspective of what happens and, you know, being there when he came back to the States and being with his family and going through all that. And I didn't have time to cope with it myself. And this is a guy that was like a brother to me for years, you know, and I remember when I was up there in Idaho in the mountains, like I was sitting there with my brother and Chris and I, I, I had a pretty emotional moment with him. And, but it was like the first time in that whole month where I like sat down and I was actually able to like ground myself and kind of, you know, cope with what actually happened and um, just kind of release all of those life stressors. And, and the, the point I'm trying to drive to is like, it doesn't have to be people that are just in the military that, and it's just people in general, it's 2023. We live in like one of the craziest times our world's probably ever seen, you know, um, right. it's gnarly out there. And it's like, it's this world of just, it's a world of, it's a world of hate, unfortunately. And it's like, there's like, people are just down each other's throats constantly. If you don't agree with them, they hate you. If, you know, it's, it's just this, you know, I don't want to use the term bullying, but like, you know, social media has just, it's, it's a great thing, but it's so bad in the fact of like, when you look at like hunting, for instance, too, like, I don't blame people for not wanting to try things because they're worried about getting, you know, just ridiculed for the things that they're trying to do. I mean, if, you know, I've got this like, eight-year-old fork horn whitetail that I shot in the swamps, North Carolina up here, that is probably would have been one of the hardest whitetails to kill anywhere in the country. But if I got online and posted that nowadays, people would probably tell me I'm a piece of shit for shooting right. that because they think it's a one and a half year old, but they have no idea. So it makes people like worry about that. But what, what I'm getting at is like, we live in a super crazy world and everybody deals with this like stress overload, this anxiety overload and all that stuff. And like hunting for me, you know, gives me a reset and for you probably as well. And it can for a whole lot of people that want to try it and you just have to try it. And like, we could go on and on about how, you know, trailheads are loaded with people nowadays or COVID made a lot more people want to hunt. And we see more people in the woods now than we did a decade ago. And maybe that's true in a sense, but like we we're also losing hunters every single day. And like, we need, people to try it we need people to go out there and experience the things that you and I have experienced because we can't lose this lifestyle we have to band together and we have to enjoy it and 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 fight for our rights as sportsmen too and and I'm not trying to be a like plug in that but like when I retire from the army like it's one of the things that I want to do is lobby for sportsmen's rights because I see it going it's on the horizon like we're losing traction every single day and I can't, I can't lose it for the sake of myself, but for the sake of my son, I want my son to experience it. I want your son to be able to experience it. We need to be able to do it because it could quite honestly be theirs and it could be there. That's the, what, what grounds them when they're, when they're in rough times too, you know, it, it really is just what, it's what I live for. Like my wife, my family, my child is truly what I live for. Um, but like it was a huge culture shock for my wife coming from uh, uh, suburbia, Washington, and marrying a guy from marrying some uh, some savage <laughs> in the army from small town Wisconsin that just hunts and fishes, you know. But she sees now like how big of a difference that it makes and the good that we do as hunters, and 
she doesn't have a killing bone in her in her body but she supports my passion and understands it and she loves eating elk too so um it's uh yeah no it's it's an incredible thing and i can't wait for this season already it's gonna be awesome dude it's yeah you got me all pumped up man i'm all jacked up now on mountain dew um yeah and it's such a cool story too and like just the, the journey and like to me it's like it the stress relief is a huge piece of it and i it goes back to like yeah if you want to get to step five you want to be where you are all you have to do is take one step and just start to figure it out start to figure it out and you know like yeah you don't have any mentors but you're a great case study of like all you have to do is start show interest and doors will open right like you didn't get mentors because you were out not doing it you were doing it and that created the mentors right or like Mm -hmm. it it showed like oh yeah this person's putting a bunch of work into it yeah i'm happy to help this person so um it's a great example of like just start doing like even if you don't have a freaking clue start doing and figuring it out and you know like doors will open people will come into your life um and i think it's i mean that's it's just a huge to me it's like just a huge i don't want to say just a stress reliever but it's like man this is it's you'll go through experiences that will change you and i think that's the bigger thing is like man the moment where you're like you saw that bull come out and even though you didn't get a shot he's like bugling in the sunset and all that it's like that that moment changed you like mm-hmm. a little bit each one it's like it's like too many people focus on like are you successful? Did you kill an elk? Whatever. And I get it. Like, that's the world we live in. Like, that's how you define success. I'm all for it. Right. Like that's a personal journey thing, but it's like all those micro experiences along the way will also shift and change you and, and hopefully make you a better person. Um, and you know, that's like the bigger picture thing. So I don't know, super cool story. Um, so you got it done, man. It's like, you took the long road, took the hard road, I should say like the two <laughs> losing two, man, that's freaking yeah. tough. Yeah. You know, I'm hoping I got him out of the way up front. I'm hoping I got him out of the way up front, you know, Um, but we'll see. I mean, and again, I hope it also two years. It's only happened to me twice. And once was this year. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, God forbid it happens again, because it's not something that I, I wish upon anybody to have to go through, especially, I mean, especially when, you know, I'm hoping like the first one, like I'm hoping I just clipped one lung and he just survived. You know what I mean? I really hope that's the case. I know last year I killed him. There's just no doubt about it, you know, and I just didn't recover it. But I mean, I know you always end up asking guys at the end of your shows, like if there was a piece of advice, it would be like, for me, it would be just like, don't, don't be afraid to try because it's, it, it, it is difficult, but it's not as hard as you think, you know, like you can do it. You can absolutely do it. And uh, when you start it, when you start that journey, don't give up on it because it's right around the corner. Like, and it's a threefold, I guess it's a threefold for me. Like, and that expectation management that I said, like, if you go out there and expect to kill a bull, like right off the bat, you're probably going to let yourself down. So like go out there and just like come up with like a measure of success for you. And like my daily measure of success is like, let's get a bull to answer. Let's like work. Let's, let's, let's put some miles on. We'll go all day long and just try to get a bull to answer. You know, once we get an answer, now the next thing is now let's get close to him. Let's get an encounter with him. Okay. So then, okay, now we got an encounter with him. Okay. Now we got him fired up. Like, let's get him in close. Like, let's get him killed now, you know, cause we can do this. Mm-hmm. Like, um, cause if, if, if you just go out there and you're like, yep, I'm going to get on my mountain bike or I'm going to lace up my crispies and, you know, and freaking run, yeah. you know, eight miles back and 
you know, put up camp and go up next morning and the mountains are going to be crazy and I'm just going to kill a bull. Like, good luck to you, buddy. But it's probably yeah, not going to happen man. like that, you know, but, and it will happen someday like that, but yeah. you just got to try hard at it. So. Yeah. yeah. And I think another big piece of it is like, like not the harp on it, but like in the, I did this course, it's like elk tool one course. And it's like, when you take like, Oh man, I'm going to go kill an elk. Like, how do I consistently kill? It's a big, it's a big thing to chew or to, to bite off. And so if you break it into like four chunks and say like, okay, here's, here's how we manage this one piece. And here's how we manage like, and break it into four pieces. It's like, okay, once you do that, it's a rinse and repeat. It's a system. And it's like, okay, we just have here's how we find elk right that's number one like mm-hmm. if you like everyone just wraps around which broadhead to use or which thing like how to get close like should i challenge bugle on this scenario or should i you know locate when should i do what bugle or mm-hmm. should i you know use the calf call and it's like step one is like how do we find elk like let's just solve that problem and like let's break it into chunks right and then now we'll worry about how to get close to elk mm-hmm. then you have to get in the red zone right that's you know that's the next piece and so it's like when you break it into chunks like i feel like that's um more manageable and from your person like even when we were talking and you're like oh man just going out into the public seemed like such a big thing it was like okay if we just broke this into like your only job is to find elk here's the unit choose one i could probably find elk in most any unit and then let's just say oregon but that's number one like all we have to do is find elk in this unit like that's first goal mm-hmm. you know and breaking it down and then we'll worry about all the other pieces but like too many people get wrapped around the axle about like this whole process of like how do i kill an elk in this unit and it's like no, no, no just finding first that's step one but yep. anyway yeah. yeah and then once you find them just remember remember where you found them too and remember what was remember what was like what made them want to be in that area you know and then plan your plan your pace plan off of that like I, yeah. I'm going to, like, I'm going to Oregon again and I'm going to, but like my buddy who told me to go up into that area where I shot that one last year, like that's a sacred place. Like I'll never go back there unless I'm with him. And I already told him, I said, Hey man, just in case you see my truck at the place, cause there's a place that we can stay at. And uh, I'm like, in case you see my truck there, I will not be in that area. I promise you that. Um, I will be in a completely different area. There's 165,000 acres of timber there. Like I'm going to be in a completely different area. I will never go back there unless I'm with you. And, uh, but based off of what I found there, when I got into all them animals in that area, I have no short of 50 waypoints plotted right now for this year's hunt in a completely in a bunch of completely different areas. And in like July, my wife's going out of town for like a week and I'm going to take my son. And we're going to go down there and I'm going to put them in my little baby pack and we're going to go confirm or deny some of my waypoints and just get a, like a full established pace plan, like based off of some, I'm going to go and hit these spots and look at them and be like, okay, yep. There's a bunch of rubs from last year there. There's, this looks good. This looks good. Okay. These are places that I actually am going to go to now with my brother when he comes this year and we're just kind of, you know, formulate that plan based off of how I found elk in Roosevelt country before. So, um, heck yeah. Yeah. Well, well, good luck this year. Um, I guess you have any ask of the audience or place to send them or yes, no, I don't know. What do you mean? Like, uh, really? I don't yeah. Know. Um, yeah, no, I mean, you know, like, you know, most people have like a YouTube channel or something else. Like, oh so yeah. Usually well, I'm, no, I'm on, I mean, I'm on, I'm on the old IG, you know, just JD, but yeah, some Instagram, but yeah, but, uh, on Facebook, just Justin Boardman, but, um, 
Yeah, other than that, the last thing I'll say is like for all the people that are in the military, like the, every military installation has a ton of property. Um, it's all it's all public ground. Like, go check it out, try it. You know, when you're stationed places, you get resident tags for every place that you're in. And if you're in a if you're in an area where you think that you want to you want to go back there again in the future, like just switch your residency over to that state while you're stationed there and maintain it. Like, yeah, and like I have friends of mine that were stationed in Alaska for five years and they've maintained their Alaska residency so they can always go buy resident tags in Alaska and go hunt there and be their own guide, like, you know, and stuff. But like the sky's the limit when it comes to hunting in the military. Use your time that you have off. Like we get 30 days of paid of vacation a year. If you're in a regular military, like you might be dictated the time that you could take off, but like, don't be afraid to ask and then use your four day weekends to go out there and crush it. Cause you can, you can make it happen and bring home to where you're at. Cause if you don't, you're going to want to get out of the military and then you're going to go back home and you're going to wish you were in some of the places and tried some of the things that you missed out on. So hundred yeah. percent. That's, that's great advice. Great advice. Um, yeah. well, Justin, thanks so much again. Um, and congrats on everything. Thanks yeah, dude. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks for having me on, Love man. You, I appreciate man. it. All right. Just smoked him at 55 yards.